Let me have your attention for a moment. Let's talk about something important. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. You get the picture? Not the way to market today. Now it's branding and digital stacks. Digital marketing stacks can help your business grow. But first, do your research. Some of these product categories have 40 or 50 products in them, and the market simply isn't big enough. So make sure that you're going into a fairly empty space. And then secondly, validate your idea before you start developing. We spent four months validating our idea before we wrote one line of code. How does digital marketing help you find that P1 customer? Nobody says happy birthday on Twitter. These aren't people that know you in real life. Your opinion is changed by the people that stop and say happy birthday, by the people that you'd invite into your house that you'd talk to across the kitchen table. Your brand is what they say about you when you leave the room. The more you give away for free, the more you get back. The thing with the free webinars is that the quality of the leads is often very low. So if you are charging for a webinar, those people are going to ask better questions, they're going to be more connected, they're probably going to contact you afterwards. This is the Language of Business, a weekly podcast designed to inform and inspire entrepreneurs and anyone thinking about a startup. Learn about strategies that work and strategies that don't work. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. On this episode of the Language of Business, we look at digital marketing. Here's Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don. The term digital marketing stack has been in vogue for about three years now, but not too many people know what it means. Anita Brereton certainly does. She is co-founder of Cabinet M, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Greg. What is a digital marketing stack? So when we talk about a digital marketing stack, we're talking about a visual representation of all of the tools and technology that marketing teams are using to acquire and engage customers. So if you think about today's marketing environment, companies are using upwards of 100 to 200 tools at any given time. So a visual marketing stack, a digital marketing stack, if you would, helps companies track and manage the tools they're using and understand the relationship between those tools. How does that differ than focused marketing? Focused marketing, such as if you think about customer acquisition through social channels, is one element that would be in the marketing stack. As you think about constructing your marketing stack, you could construct it as customer acquisition, and under that there would be focused marketing efforts and customer engagement. Or you could structure your stack by product category like email marketing, which again, also a focused marketing effort. So it wraps all of that together into a whole. Do you charge for the single stack or do you charge per individual activity? So one of the great things about our site is that you can do a lot of things for free on the site. So on Cabinet M, you can come to our site, you can search and discover new tools. We have over 5,000 tools on the site. And then you can build your marketing stack. So what we find marketers doing is building the stack they have today, the stack that they would like to have, and then building stacks to keep track of tools that they might use in the future. You can do all of that for free. What we charge for is team collaboration. So in a big enterprise organization where teams would like to work together on stacks, we charge for that. You mentioned that one of your prospective customers has been on the site over 100 times. Why have they been there so frequently? It's a billion-dollar shoe company walked into an environment where nobody knew all the tools that were being used. Initially, he was on the site cataloging all of the tools that they're using today. And now he's on our site daily, he tells us, looking for new tools. Oh, he's probably got 15 stacks on our site now. 
Are your stacks proprietary to Cabinet M or are you trying to just drive web traffic to your site? They're proprietary to Cabinet M in that we're the only place that you can build the stacks. But one of the great things is once you have a stack in place, you can share it with anybody or you can download it as PNG visual or you can export all the information in an Excel spreadsheet. It's all about giving marketers tools to manage and track what they're doing. You have extensive experience as a judge, mentor, angel investor. How has that prepared you to co-found Cabinet M? Well, I think there's probably three things that really have prepared me for Cabinet M. One is I'm a longtime marketer. That's where I spent my corporate career. I then spent several years in the startup ecosystem, as you said, as a judge at Mass Challenge, but also running an angel investment group. I learned all the ins and outs of financing for early stage startups. But I think the most important experience that I brought to Cabinet M was experience running an e-commerce company when I saw how really hard it was for my digital marketing team to find the tools that they needed. And that stuck with me after I left the company and became the genesis for Cabinet M. If somebody wants to start a digital marketing company, besides advising them to use your site frequently, what other one piece of advice would you give them? Okay, I'm gonna give two because you specifically said digital marketing. So if it's in digital marketing, please research the market because some of these product categories have 40 or 50 products in them and the market simply isn't big enough for that. So make sure that you're going into a fairly empty space. And then secondly, validate your idea before you start developing. We spent four months validating our idea before we we wrote one line of code. What single company would you like to emulate the most? We use Salesforce as an analogy because in the pre-Salesforce days, we found that salespeople used to track their contacts on post-it notes and calendars all over the place, right? And the only people that have visibility into a salesperson's prospect list was really the salesperson. And they took that with them when they left the company. Marketing is kind of like that today and with people tracking products and all sorts of spreadsheets. So in the same way that Salesforce brought visibility and tracking to the pipeline, we're doing that for marketing technology. And they've been really successful, so they're a really good one for us to aspire to be like. Salesforce has a huge competitive advantage over other same companies in its industry. What do you think Cabinet M's biggest competitive advantage is? The competitive advantage we have is as people are building stacks on our site, we're starting to collect an enormous amount of data about what people are using and in what combination. And so we'll be able to tell you, you know, Greg, other companies of your size and type, this is what they're using in this category to help you kind of narrow down your own selection of tools. I need to thank you. It was great being here. Anita Brereton, co-founder of Cabinet M. Coming up, which is a better way to market yourself? Do free webinars or charge for them? But first, your brand is what they say about you when you leave the room. As the language of business look at digital marketing continues. Back to Greg Stoller. In this technological world, how do you find a needle in a marketing haystack? For starters, try asking Dan Sullivan. He is CEO and founder of Crowdly.com and welcome to Language of Business. Thanks for having me. How does it work? How we work is we work with those brands that have giant groups of people that love them, true passionate fans, but to your point, it is a haystack. There's millions of people. So we've got a lot of technology that helps find those true authentic people that really care most about a brand and can spread word of mouth in an authentic way. Your technology is patented, why and how? We've got a portfolio of about 11 different patents, really focusing on who are those key people, why do they talk, what makes them talk, what are their triggers, and understanding what gets them to take action. So there's a lot of technology, but it really boils down to those 
human instincts, the human factors of why people want to share the things they like with the people they know. And then how do you do that at scale using big technology? Why would the brands use you as opposed to their in-house marketing departments? We're not services, we're really a product. So we're a, a license that our brands use. Word of mouth has always mattered to brands. It's mattered for the last 400 years. Just with digital, there's a way to do it at scale, but it's about finding the right people and they use our technology to find those people and get them to take action. On your website, you often refer to P1s. What are those? P1 are the core 5 or 10% of any customer base that makes up 80% of the engagement, the advocacy, the buzz. Those folks are kind of an ozone layer around the ecosystem for that brand community that really spread that brand message. And how are you defining success for your clients? For brand marketers, a lot of them are going to measure it differently, but it's really around, are my marketing initiatives successful? Are people talking about me in a way that matters? I think today's day and age, you know, your brand is what happens when you leave the room. It's a conversations that happen when you're not there. And particularly with younger generations, millennials, you know, the ability to get in front of people, they don't necessarily trust the message from the brand itself as much as what they hear from their friends. So I think gauging their marketing initiatives and the success based on their ability to drive that conversation in an effective way that changes people's minds. When you refer to online, people often use the term advocate. Who are you advocating for? I think for us, it's always, you know, everybody's got a few things that they care about, right? And I, I think that's essential to our model is it's not, I'm going to find the everything advocate that can talk about lipstick and pickup trucks and vacation homes. These aren't these weird otherworldly people that just want to talk about everything. People say, well, who are these people that want to talk about, you know, this brand or that brand? And we say, well, what kind of car do you drive? What are your golf clubs? You know, that everybody's got two or three things that they care and that they talk about. And, and that's really what we're looking for is normal people that have that abnormal love for a few key things, finding those hand raisers and getting them to take action. Where do you see the industry moving in the next three to five years? I mean, I think what's changed about word of mouth, even in the last 10, 15 years, is everybody's connected to everybody that they know in the world, and they create 15 times more content than they used to. Nobody has a sandwich they like that they don't take a picture of and share, right? So I, I think the inevitability of broad word of mouth is coming, but I think what's really key and important is that focus on authenticity. And now we have celebrities, we have influencers. I think what's most effective, what really wins people's minds and hearts are, are the people that they really know. So that concept of kitchen table advocacy. But if people have 15 times more content, is everyone else going to read it? Uh, so not everybody, right? But I, I do think if I had to buy jet ski tomorrow, I know my friend that I'd ask, right? So finding those, those right people, getting those hand raisers, it's that circle of people that I trust. So I don't want to go find strangers on the internet and find their favorite sandwich. But my brother, my cousin, my co-founder, his is an opinion that I trust and I want to hear more about what he has to say about the things that he likes. And what is it about the kitchen table that makes it so authentic? Well, I mean, I think when you look at what changes people's minds are the people they know, right? And that's why from a platform basis, we focus more on Facebook and Instagram. When you think Twitter, there's a lot that goes on on Twitter, but I think what sums it up well for us is that nobody says happy birthday on Twitter, right? Because these aren't people that know you in real life. And I think your opinion is changed by the people that stop and say happy birthday, by the people that you'd invite into your house that you'd talk to across the kitchen table. But are the people in your network, the experts in the industry that can correctly predict if you're positioned right? Our brands will work on their own marketing, but as far as spreading confidence, spreading values, particularly in a world where I think 
brands more than ever are driven by story, right? A brand has to mean something in a way that it didn't even 15 years ago. We want them to stand for something. And I think that, as well as the effectiveness of their products, a brand can say whatever it wants about itself, and I'm not going to care. If they earn the trust and credibility of good people to say that for them, I think that's what really carries that marketing message out into the world. Dan, thank you. Thank you. Dan Sullivan, CEO and founder of Crowdly.com. Coming up, which is a better way to market yourself digitally? Do free webinars or charge for them? Next on The Language of Business, look at digital marketing. Our sponsor is Art Lifting. If you have a small business, or even if you run a Fortune 500 company, you can uplift the look of your office with Art Lifting. Art Lifting has over 1,300 artworks in a variety of styles and prices. You can buy them or rent them and switch them up on a rotation every month or so. But wait, there's more. All of the art lifting art is by artists who are homeless or dealing with disabilities. So you not only brighten and uplift your office, you're helping local communities across the USA. To learn more and view the collection, go to artlifting.com. This is the Language of Business look at digital marketing. Once again, Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don. Everyone likes giving something away for free if it helps them get a sale, but does that work over the long term? Julia Campbell is founder of JC Social Marketing, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you, Craig. I'm happy to be here. You do lots of work with nonprofits. Mm -hmm. How does that generate the income for you? Well, nonprofits are willing to pay if they feel they can get a return on their investment. So what I found is that they are willing to pay if they can see results pretty quickly. But is that going to generate enough money over the long term compared with for-profits? Absolutely. So I've had my business for about seven years. I started working with small businesses, and then I graduated to working with small, mid-level nonprofits. And I do marketing, consulting, strategic consulting, and sometimes grant writing, online fundraising for them. They often find that rather than hiring a full-time marketing person or social media person, it's often better to bring someone in for the short term but solely non-profit as opposed to for-profit. Well, I'm not opposed to working with for-profits. I just find that my passion is non-profits. It's my background. It's what I'm familiar with, and it's what I'm good at, though. I like to focus on non-profit. And based on the research for this interview, you've done a lot of work in Senegal. Yes. So I worked in Senegal with the U.S. Peace Corps from 2000 to 2002, and I have worked with a lot of nonprofits focusing on African presidents, African issues. You also give a lot of books away for free. How does that factor into your business model? I think that the more you give away for free, it's going to sound kind of cheesy almost, but the more you put out in the universe, the more you get back. So I write a blog for free, I do a lot of webinars for free, and I give away ebooks. And what I find is that it helps cement me as a thought leader and an influencer, and it helps me grow my social media following and my email list if I'm giving something away for free and requiring an email, and then I can make that stronger connection for longer term relationships. So I find that giving stuff away for free really does end up bringing in money in the long term if you think big picture longer term. Do you have a set conversion ratio for every 10 emails that you send? Oh. How many people tend to hire you? I should, absolutely, because that's what I do consulting around. But it's sort of the cobbler who has no shoes. I haven't figured that out for myself yet. I do it very holistically and very organically. So I recently started charging for webinars and doing paid webinars and paid speaking engagements, whereas previously I'd done it for free. But I do think that 
doing things for free other than consulting for years really helped build my brand and help people find me and help people sort of sign up for my list and follow me on Twitter and really built my audience that I could now call on when I'm selling a product. So I wrote a book and after building this audience for years and years and years, I'm now able to promote my book to them and I have an audience that's ready, willing and able to hopefully purchase it. Have you found attendance has been better for a free webinar versus a paid webinar? Absolutely. On a free webinar, you're going to see upwards of 500 people, um, depending on who's promoting it, depending on who I'm partnering with to do it. So usually 100, 150, you can have upwards of 500, depending on your software. The thing with free webinars and giving, you know, it's called freemium, giving these sure. things away for free, is that the quality of the leads is often very low. So if you are charging for a webinar, even just $15 or $20, those people are going to ask better questions, they're going to be more connected, they're probably going to be more willing to download the materials, to contact you afterwards. So I find that even with the paid webinars, those people tend to turn into longer term clients than on the free webinars, and that's fine. I mean, you have to do a mix of both, I think. So much of effective marketing is reading people's social cues yes. or their facial expressions. How can you be that great at your job if you're doing so much online? That's a very good question because I work for myself. I work in an office. I like being alone. People would be surprised to learn that I'm somewhat of an introvert. I really enjoy my alone time. But I love also getting out once in a while and going to conferences. I'm going to a conference very soon in Portland, Maine, and that energizes me too. So I don't think you can take away, you can never take away that in-person connection, that in-person networking, those in-person events, especially with nonprofits, because so much of what they do is cultivating these long-term relationships with people that are gonna be funding them. And businesses do that too, cultivating relationships with customers. You absolutely need a good mix of digital marketing and in-person phone calls and meetings, 100%. That's never gonna go away. Julia, thank you. Thank you for having me, I appreciate it. Julia Campbell, founder of jcsocialmarketing.com. Thanks, Greg. And that's our episode this week. You can find links to all the people and companies we've interviewed on the show notes. We now have downloads in 52 countries. Welcome to Mexico. Hola, gracias por el apoyo. Thanks for the support. If you subscribe and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, it'll be a huge help. Our director is Mark Mandel. Social media by Jennifer Powell of ExcellentWriters.com. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Audio editing and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of SomethingYouShouldKnow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business. 